0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Astral Flight Simulation Podcast, where we navigate the digital world through art and culture. And I want to give a little preamble to today's episode for two reasons. I'm, I'm, inter- I'm uh, releasing this episode a little early uh, because the Daryl Cooper episode just came out, uh, Daryl Cooper of Martyrmaid fame. And uh, in that episode, I constantly made reference to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, but it hadn't been released yet. And the crazy thing is, is that uh, all through the episode, Daryl kept bringing up things that we talked about. Some of them specifically, he referenced a uh, passage from The Golden Bough, which is the book that we drew on most heavily for this episode. Uh, And he didn't know that I did an episode about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he wasn't talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that other episode. We were talking about spree shooters and serial killers, and he also brought up Ed Gein or Ed Gein, the notorious skin wearing. necrophiliac um, grave robbing serial killer from Wisconsin in mid 20th century he's kind of like the prototype for the serial killer he's also sort of the prototype for all horror or at least the slasher genre after him so it was just so uncanny and I was beside myself I couldn't believe that he kept talking about it. I actually like lost my composure a little bit on the episode And I even said to him, I wish I'd invited him on to this episode. So I'm putting this episode out now behind a paywall so that the listeners to Daryl's episode can segue right into this one. And they can see what I mean when I kept uh, referencing it while I was talking to him. The really interesting thing about this is that Daryl was talking a lot about an egregore. And for him to have covered so much of of the subject matter... On the Spree Killer episode that I covered with my friends here, who I'll introduce in a moment, uh, on our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, it's almost like the Egregore was speaking through him and also, you know, speaking through us on this episode because it's trying to communicate something specific. It's trying to get us to look at something specific about uh, uh, the modern world and about the Spree Killer and about the predicament we're in in the digital era. More on that when you listen to this episode and my show as a whole. The other reason I wanted to make a preamble, though, and I hope you bear with me and keep keep the following statements in mind when you listen to this episode, because I am a father and a husband and I have a full-time job. I do this as a passion project because I love it, and I'm sorry I have to charge, but I did put a lot of my own money into this to get started, and I'm hoping to at least recoup what I paid on Hardware and software subscriptions and things like that. So I want you to know I'm not trying to grift here I'm trying to give you a quality product and the paid subscriptions help if you're listening to this as a free subscriber I'm glad you're here and continue to uh, you know enjoy the product you receive but uh, I am releasing this over a month in advance for paid subscribers now the problem is is that I had to speed run the content of this episode. Me and my friends had about two hours worth of content planned, and we weren't able to get to it all. And I kind of screwed up a couple of the things I said, and I missed something I consider vitally important to the discussion about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mentioned my personal life here and my personal responsibilities because they made me forty or maybe forty five minutes late to this episode. And I conflated something that makes me sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. And I also missed something. So the first thing I want to clarify here is that I brought up Ed Gein or Ed Gein. And I said some things about him that were true, not of him, but of Norman Bates from the movie Psycho, who is, of course, based on Ed Gein. And I said that Ed Gein was found with his mother's corpse at the dinner table uh, in his house when the police raided his house. That's not true of Ed Gein. That is true of Norman Bates in the film, however. And Norman Bates had this, uh, this uh, pathological relationship with his mother and his dead mother, and he, he displayed uh, pretty serious signs of mental illness, as we see with the Texas Chainsaw family, uh, because they have their uh, mummified but still living grandfather in the house, but they also have the corpse of the grandmother or the matriarch in the house. Uh, as far as I know, Ed, Gein, Ed Gein's mother was buried and he never dug her up. However, lots of people make inferences to his relationship to his mother uh, as part of the cause for why he would exhume corpses and uh, bring them to his house and, unfortunately, <laughs> this is difficult to say, gut them and dismember them in his barn like they, were, like they were deer or venison or some sort of wildlife that he killed. And then he would make uh, household accoutrements like lampshades and window curtains and belts, a dress, an apron, and a skin mask, and he would wear these things in his house if these dead women around. And Then we also, in the episode, speculated about how many people he killed, and I said one thing and my friend Remus said another thing. And we talked about him necrotizing and cannibalizing the bodies. Well, we don't really know much about all those things in detail Uh, It's he claims that he did not sleep with or eat the bodies. Now, why would you believe this uh, serial killer? Well, the interesting thing about Ed Gein is he he was a simpleton and he had uh, some serious uh, cognitive impairment issues. So I wouldn't normally make recourse to something a serial killer said as a way to understand uh, whether they did or did not do something that was in question, except thing about Ed Gein is one of the reasons he got caught is because someone was talking about how a young lady was missing. And he said, uh, oh, she's not missing. She's in my barn. And it turns out that he had murdered this young woman and hung her upside down in his barn and had, like I said, gutted her like a deer. So he had committed all these atrocities and crimes. Yet here he is uh, confessing and telling uh, an acquaintance that he did this. And he did so because he was, you know, a nearly retarded guy. I, I say that in the clinical sense, uh, uh, delayed cognitive and obviously emotional development. The other thing about Ed Gein is that he uh, is only confirmed to have murdered two people, but once the... So I said that, I declared that on the show like it, was, like it was true, and my friend said, no, he killed a whole bunch of people. Well, I guess it's in dispute, and there's a lot of conjecture around this, but it looks like a lot of people in his life Some strangers, some people he knew, one of them, his brother, turned up missing and there was no explanation for it, no cause for it. And then once his crimes came out in the open and he was put in a mental institution, they looked back over the course of his life and they said, you know, uh, this young lady from out of town came to the town Ed Gein lived in. And it's known that she was kind of in his proximity when she went missing. So maybe he did that. And his brother supposedly died of I forget why, but now they're speculating that he murdered him. And there's close to like eight others, maybe ten in total, that that uh, people who mysteriously went missing. Uh, the other thing about the the remains found in his house, it was very difficult to identify how long those people had been dead that he made their skin into clothing with, and uh, who they were exactly. So they don't really know how many of the bodies how many of the uh, the uh, garments were made out of fresh kills and how many of them were made out of people he dug up from the grave. And we can't really prove whether or not he slept with these people or these bodies. Like in Child of God, a highly recommended book about necrophilia. And um, we don't really know whether he ate them. But I'm going to just say he didn't. I don't think that's what he was doing. Uh, but... At the same time, maybe he did. Jeffrey Dahmer ate his victims, so we we don't know. But that's really neither here nor there. The important thing is that Jeff, uh, Toby Hooper, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, based his family uh, on this guy. And in the documentary, and this I think this is why I conflated things and I screwed this up because I had just watched. The documentary, a family affair, about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Toby Hooper said that he was like terrified as a child, being told stories of Ed Gein, and he believed him to be a cannibal and a necrophiliac. So that's probably why I had it in my head. But I had also just watched Psycho, and I think I conflated the two. But in this episode, and in a future episode coming out about uh, the Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. I talk about the dysfunctional relationship uh, with the mother, the great mother. I mentioned it in this episode too. And um, I think that's very relevant to Ed Gein and Norman Bates. So it's not off-base, but I, I couldn't let this episode come out with uh, me conflating those two characters. And the other thing I wanted to say is that I just wanted to give a quick preamble to the, the way in which me and my friends interpret this film. Because there's an excellent article in Texas Monthly. It came out a long time ago, maybe in 2000 or 2001. I highly recommend you to look it up. Maybe I'll link it actually in the show notes. Very long episode. Excuse me. Very long essay, uh, investigative essay about the genesis and the uh, legacy of this film, about the making of the film, how it got, how it got funded, and how it got distributed, and what kind of happened to it afterwards. Uh, and it's just fascinating and um in that in that essay and this was a big watershed moment for me in my interpretation of film in that essay toby Hooper says that it is the Hansel and Gretel story and it's like uh it just everything just hit me at once about all film about all literature and about all myth it's like the same archetypical story being told over and over again you just have to break the story story or the narrative down to its bare bone constituents parts and you get to see like the blueprint of it underneath and if you do that and you can start making connections between different stories you can trace a genealogy back to like the the earliest version or the earliest myth that is being retold and then you can extrapolate the sort of um cultural or psychological meaning or whatever other meaning you can come up with for the mythology and um, kind of apply it to the the new updated version you're looking at and then apply it to the culture that it's couched in or the cultural context that it comes out of. So I just wanted to throw out there that I read um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre basically as the Hansel and Gretel story. And the Hansel and Gretel story is at 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 its heart, a story about youth under threat of being consumed by the elders at a certain stage in their life, and they overcome that, they outwit it, and they're able to, to go on and have growth. Now, before I get accused of reading too much into it to go on to have growth, um, the story ends, right? Hansel and Gretel ends with them being, with them being, uh, Uh, free so it's implied that they live out the rest of their lives so so it's implied that they move on to the next stage so if they go there as children they're innocent um, and they are still under the uh, auspices of their parents and they're out in the world in the dark forest for the first time and they come in they come in contact with this monster this monster wants to consume them and this monster is an old crone so the two levels of interpretation I have for this are, first, it's the youth being uh, drained of their vitality by the sc- sclerotic elders who need to consume them, to eat them, to perpetuate their own life so that, they can, uh, so that they can go on and do whatever nefarious deeds it is that they do. In this case, eat more children but of course we can apply this to say the government who is uh, taking the tax revenue of the young or even health insurance companies who are taking the premium payments of the young and giving them all over to the elderly and all they're doing is prolonging their lives so that they can continue to dump all these resources into them. So I see it in one sense as a metaphor for like a gerontocracy uh, feeding off the, the vitality of the youth, but the other sense you can look at it and this gets uh, much more abstract, and I'm not sure if I explained it well enough in the episode, so I'm just giving this little preamble here. The other way to look at it is uh, a psychological development, like these children are in the pre-sexual stage, and the next, the next stage is the sexual stage, and it's like one step towards individuation, and it's one step towards maturity and adulthood, and they're being arrested by the archetypical mother the great mother they're being arrested at that uh, stage of development prior to going into the next one so that they're uh, perpetually infantilized because if they're eaten at that time it's cut off and the only thing that exists of their nascent ego is this uh innocent naive child and it's the great mother not wanting the culture or the civilization to leave her bosom. So, the way I see it with, like, a uh, a uh, popular movie, even, you know, popular in the popular imagination, a movie that has kind of occupied space in the collective imagination of America. Everyone knows what this movie is. People who haven't seen it, they know what the basic premise is. They know who Leatherface is. They know that these people are cannibals and... Um, Maybe they've never seen the original, which is what today's episode's about. But there's been tons of spinoffs, so so people have an idea of what you're talking about. So it's like this like uh, threat of permanent infantilization in the popular imagination with these these monsters terrorizing you. And I think if this image is spread throughout the country, or spread throughout a population, or a culture. It's a sign that that culture has been stuck in that developmental phase and that that's what this myth is telling us like we're stuck in this phase and we need to overcome it, but it's up to us to figure out how to overcome it and it's like when we move on to a different set of myths and when we move on to a new stage of of myth telling, perhaps the culture itself will have moved on from this developmental stage, but At the same time, you could look at it as a regression, like a film like this could be uh, considered being being so popular could be considered a regression to that infant infantile stage. Now, I don't really have the answer for that, but these are the questions I want you to be asking when you're watching these films and you're listening to me and my friends' interpretations of these movies. And please, I want to remind you that if you're listening to this message, you should a Go listen to uh, Daryl Cooper and me on our Spree Killer episode, either right before you listen or right after you listen, and you'll see the connections between the two. And the other thing I want to tell you is to follow my friend Vitruvian Avenged. He's the guy here whose voice sounds like he's on a phone, because he was. My other friend Remus is not on Twitter at the moment, but when he comes back, I'll be promoting him. But uh, Vitruvian Avenge is at Son of Parzival on Twitter, so it's at... S-O-N-O-F-P-A-R-Z-I-V-A-L I I hope I didn't uh, bore you to tears and I hope you stuck with me because I I feel that this uh, message is imperative to my critique of the film and I hope if you add what I've said onto what you hear me say later in the episode you get a more complete picture of how I understand this film and the relevancy I think it has for the digital era. Uh, Thank you and uh, this is the Astral Flight Simulation Podcast inviting you to become a paid subscriber. Or if you want to remain a free subscriber, please do so, but stick with me. And I hope you like all the content you find on my blog and in my podcast.
1: The internet is an ocean that we invent as we explore it. In the murky darkness of virtual places, there could be dragons, shagoths, leviathans. Certainly I have heard voices on the web who say we'll discover or build a god. Reach the cyber ocean floor. People claim to remember past lives. I claim to remember a different, very different present life.
2: Psychotic drones.
1: Where mystic swims.
0: All right. Hello and welcome back to the Astro Flight Simulation podcast, where we navigate the digital world through art and culture. I'm excited about today's episode because I'm introducing you all to one of my very good friends. And in fact, one of the people that helped me kind of conceptualize and even come up with the idea of doing a podcast. I'm talking about a guy who goes by the name of Soul Hunter on Twitter, but I know him as Remus, and that's how I'll be referring to him today. And uh, we're joined again by Aspiring Vitruvian, who I'll be referring to as Av. You know him from the Event Horizon episode and get used to these two guys because these two guys are kind of my uh, part time co-hosts here. They're going to be back several times. we got a couple episodes coming up. Uh, We're planning them now. We're going to do an episode on Elden Ring. We're going to do an episode on The Legend of Zelda and the Holy Grail. And I believe we've talked about a few others, uh, a John Carpenter episode, perhaps. Today, we're going to talk about one of the greatest horror movies and just one of the greatest American movies of all time the texas chainsaw massacre and we're going to get really deep so uh before we just jump right into the content remus can you introduce yourself quickly because uh i want my i want my audience to know who you are because they're going to hear a lot from you over the next couple years and months hello
1: uh yeah i go uh i go by soul hunter now i've, I've had a i've had a few accounts at this point um but uh i started uh, started as remus uh, i'm i'm you know, I'm a bit of a, a Warhammer 40K fan, as you may notice. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not, um, I'm not particularly like I don't have a I don't have an expertise in anything. I'm not uh, I'm by no means a a, a qualified guy. That's not uh, that's not my brand. But what yeah, I neither am, my brother, yeah, and I'm the host. What I am is somebody with eyes, uh, and I think that's that's really all you need at this point. Is uh, if you if you can't see, I don't know what you're looking at. So. Um, Yeah, I'm here to just uh, you know have some discussions. We got some ideas. We got some ideas.
0: It's a good first episode for uh, us to all be together because we're constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly uh, DMing each other and retweeting each other. Um, So I'm glad to finally bring one of our conversations out to the podcast. Which is, again, I said we were conceptualizing this together. It's sort of sort of was what our idea was, like whatever it was, a year or more ago that we were talking about this. So today's episode is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it is not a digital age movie. However, I hope to convince listeners that it does have uh, a lot of relevancy to the digital age. In fact, I think it's sort of a canary in the coal mine or or a uh, portentous movie in certain ways. But before we get to that, um, you guys were telling me your favorite horror movies, and all of us had this movie on our top three. Would you guys mm-hmm. say top three favorites? Yeah, And definitely. what are your top three favorites?
1: Um, if I have to pick three, I'd pick Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Alien, and Halloween. Those are, those are my top three. Because to me, they all symbolize iconic parts of... Or not iconic, but like primordial aspects of, of fear. And that's really what, what horror movies are actually about. They're about like that the, the pure animal adrenaline of being hunted by something that is ultimately beyond you that that can end you in an instant like the, these things are all part of it right so um i think those three really uh really i don't know uh, uh, like personify that
2: yeah um so mine is similar to both you guys so mine is definitely the thing as far as like favorite um just because yeah, that's I top know, five like,
1: for me i can't you know <laughs>
2: it's so good i mean it's it is so like it just i i can't think of and maybe it's just the body horror of it but there's something about it that like even if the special effects are like dated and what and i don't even like that kind of a discussion on special effects being dated because it like centers everything on cgi yeah fuck that i
1: think the practical effects look like they're evergreen yeah. man yeah no
2: they do they, they 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 like i mean i don't know it's like if you watch if you go watch a play like you know it's not real it's not like they're convincing you that <laughs> all that shit is real. I can't
1: believe that it's
0: gonna be like, <laughs> man, you
2: know, this Hamlet play sucks because I can totally tell that wasn't real blood. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's still going to um conjure up those things in your mind. But yeah. I, I would say the thing, Texas Chainsaw, is up there, and then uh, it, you know, Alien is is if we're considering it horror, which most people say it's horror, I put it up there. But I do go back and forth with Halloween uh, and honestly, Psycho because I think that Halloween and Psycho both. Um, they really revolutionized the use of music and like ambiance. And so it's like when you really like tell someone what Psycho and Halloween are, it's like, yeah, it's a guy in a mask or in Psycho's case, he's not always wearing a mask, but you know what I mean? It's it's a killer and he's chasing people and he stabs them. Like it's pretty bare bones. It's just the guy understand. Like yeah. they wouldn't initially go, Oh man, that's that sounds insanely scary. Like like the thing it would. Like you can tell them about what it is and they would go, Oh my god, that's Yeah, it's
1: conceptually terrifying. And yeah. like his
2: face unfolds. Oh my God. But like you're just like, Oh, it's a guy stabbing people. But it's the fact that the shots of him just standing there in the trees and then he's gone and the the very, very um distinct music like psycho we actually studied it in videotech back in high school and they talked about how like it's even like scientific the way that those shrill notes they they almost like mimic a scream like if you hear like a, a blood curdling scream like it, it, even if you're not scared it makes your hair stand on the end you, it, it's designed to unsettle you yeah. it hijacks your your instinct for fear without you having a control over it and to me that's the only kind of movie that can put me on edge now and not just like oh, my God, you know, the gore porn, like his head got cut off or wow, it's a giant monster. It's it's how you convey it. And that's even deeper point as to why things like 2001 are my favorite movies, because where the dialogue is superfluous and everything is conveyed by atmosphere and the shot, uh, the things that only film can do better than, like, say, a book. um, And yet it doesn't make it any less deep. So, yeah, that's my tangent on that.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good tangent. And I have. Uh, I'm going to tie that to the way this this movie's filmed. Let's specify for the audience. There's a lot of remakes and sequels, and some of them are useless. But we're we're talking about the original 1974 Toby Hooper Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And my top three horror movies. Horror isn't my favorite genre, yet. I think probably the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the original Night of the Living Dead. And The Thing are my three favorite horror movies. And they're also three of my favorite movies just of all time because they're they're great films. And I debated on whether or not we should throw Halloween into this because this is going to be a, a, a sequel episode to... Uh, or This is going to be the first episode and we're going to have a sequel with um, Night of the Living... Excuse me, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th as like a slasher series. But I think we should put... Um, Halloween actually with John Carpenter because John Carpenter is really a master filmmaker and he's also a master uh, at minimalism, minimalism because of uh, the budget that he's working with. Um, what the, I think his movie, it was called Dark Star, the one that came out before Halloween, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and it was like a super low budget sci-fi movie and he made all, the own mu- all his own music because he couldn't afford uh, uh, somebody to pay for a score. And he didn't really know how to play music and he did it on a synthesizer. So all of those things sort of add to the the ambiance or the affect of the film. And I think to Av's point, um, in my opinion, horror is better in the most minimalist way, as opposed to the sensory overload that we get nowadays with movies, even like Saw, which isn't terrible. Um, uh, yeah, we you we gotta dis- gotta make a distinction between saw? the first the first saw the and first every other saw. saw
1: that after that came after. The yeah. first saw was an interesting movie. It was pretty it, good. It was a psychological horror, much more so than anything else. And it was more a character uh, uh, piece, right? Like it was about the people in the room more than anything else. Yeah. It wasn't about jigsaw. It wasn't about any of the things happening outside the room. It's about what's happening inside, but, more so than anything, right? I think there was a cop plot, but like nobody cares right you only care about and it's all about the payoff right it comes to that 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 big moment yeah. where you saw his yeah. fucking foot off right and I, I that was effective but i think it's only really effective once it's like it's like doing a magic trick yeah, yeah. exactly and every exactly. other movie is just exactly. the same magic but trick like, what, I,
0: what i wanted to say about saw though even though it tries to use the minimalist approach that the text chainsaw has it's like tries too hard It's way too it much tries too hard it's like no it like too, it's way too
1: maximalist true.
0: Yeah. yeah 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 it ends up being maximalist but i think it i think i don't know we can have this debate there's a, scene for, where but-
1: there's a guy, it's like there's a guy and he's like the I shotgun he, no no no, not the shot that's funny but it's the, the <laughs> guy he's like he's like he's like crawling through i think it's like barbed wire or some shit it's like razor blades and all that stuff and like the scene starts moving super fast and the music yeah. is all discordant and shit yeah. that's that's like yeah that's trying to overload you with too much stuff I'm going to bring up Halloween because in, it's a beautiful movie to contrast with the, with Texas Chainsaw in many ways, right? They're so similar in so many ways, but their, their villain is like the opposite oh, yeah. creature, you yeah, know? Totally. Um, but Av's completely right. The reason that, that Psycho, I guess, uh, walked so Halloween could run in many ways, right? It's like the... That's yeah. Right? So uh, Michael, I feel like, is the... Is the, is the ultimate expression of what Psycho is, right? He's just like, it, it doesn't matter. He's just gonna do it, right? He's just gonna do it anyway. Like you can't stop him. It's like trying to stop a cat from, attacking a bird or something well he just, yeah he and, can't and he can't help himself sorry right uh, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. so so he's he's interesting in that regard but he's so he's so minimal he doesn't do very much he's not a monster he's not anything like that he's just a guy with a knife he,
2: he has right. like an aura you know and exactly and like, he's like, a the, void I, I remember um when i was younger and i would used to get like scared by these movies and like you know like like a, you would accidentally turn to them when you're like scrolling through your like cable you know at at your parents house and and you just accidentally come up on Halloween and I remember getting like really scared of it but whenever I would be like walking through my dark room or whatever and like thinking oh my god you know Michael Myers is going to be there what put me on edge is that in my head the music would start playing and I would imagine him standing there and so it's like it's not even like Michael Myers the character is scary enough but then with the music and with the shots and with the ambiance they like make him into this sort of like deity almost where like yes. he, he arrives with an aura like the music starts playing in your head and you're like oh my god and you're just filled with they fever. touch on
1: this in the movie itself that's why they call him the boogeyman yes because he's no longer michael like that doesn't even who he was doesn't matter now he's the mask he's the thing inside that void that looks like a person
2: right that's actually a point i'll touch on the mask yeah a good, a good observation well a,
1: it's a, it's a it's something that i i liked about him and leatherface is also I, masked right that's a that's yes. a cool part about him but it's a for a completely different reason i think we um,
0: we got to talk about the aesthetics of texas chainsaw because it influenced the aesthetics of pretty much all of subsequent yes, horror which sure. it's i I totally thought Saw was like derivative of Texas Chainsaw, but maybe you guys disagree. But we'll couch that argument for for later. Um, yeah, maybe. But but know. but I but I definitely thought it was like trying to go for that, especially in the era of like Saw came out after Freddy Krueger and after Event Horizon, uh, and after yeah, Saw is a 2000s Dream. It came right? out. It came out after Scream, so like I felt like it was an attempt to get back to the bare essentials of of horror. It, and it's not, trying to make
1: horror scary again, but it, yeah, it and I didn't felt like really. it was
0: a return. But no, I don't know. No, maybe people disagree. Yeah. Um. But let's let's talk about the aesthetics of uh, Texas Chainsaw, and then maybe we can get into some of the analysis and critique because I think it's heavy, heavy with both of those things. Now, the thing that immediately comes to mind for me, we're talking about Mike Myers, we're talking about Psycho, and we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw. All three of those, and we can name many others as well, are based on Ed Gein and, and uh, the knowledge of Ed yep. Gein and his story. So can one of you guys, um, I assume our listeners are going to be pretty familiar with who he is, but does anybody feel comfortable quickly telling us who he is? Because he's the prototype, the real life inspiration for, I mean, Silence of the Lambs, um, Cannibal Corpse and Slayer music.
1: Yeah. He's basically um, the, just Wisconsin. super, where did he live?
0: Wisconsin.
1: Okay. Yeah, right <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> so uh ed i'm not sure if it's gine or gain or how you i've pronounce heard pronounce it pronounced Gein, but i've always yeah, said Gein. Ed, ed, ed. uh ed i guess like to um dismember and eat people right um
0: well it's even and he, worse he killed than that because a would, lot of people and he would he, dig up he, corpses that, that were well. already decaying and he would eat those so he, he would, would make eat,
2: furniture out of it too
0: yes and exactly and he, would he, and he grew
2: up with an abusive relationship i think his dad was like an alcoholic and so oh, this is always the case towards him which every time telling, and again i think we'll Hit on this theme, but that's a common thing both in serial killers, like real yeah. life, and yeah. in the, the movies. They have an abusive mother. They have an a, a devouring mother, and yeah, that's one of the
1: one of the pillars of their lives mother, yeah. destroys them, and it causes turns them into a monster in many ways. Well, um, just
0: to hearken to the later on our discussion, my my take on this movie and slash movies in general is that the uh inability of individuals usually though the victims, not the monster, but sometimes the monster too. Their inability to individuate uh, out from underneath the anxiety of influence from their parents, uh, this sort of oedipal or electoral type of complex. Um, And the great mother or the domineering patriarch uh, plays a role in uh, the archetypical significance of these movies. So Ed Gein, for example, was right, he kept his mother's dead body at the dinner table. Uh, I think she, they, when the police came into his house, they found it there, her decomposing corpse. Mm-hmm. He would like have dinner with her and serve her. Meanwhile, he's killing other young women in the prime of their lives, just like these. Uh, although I think Ed, Ed Gein was, I think he was an opportunistic killer and he kind of killed whoever he could get.
1: Yeah, I don't think he had like a weird ritual or MMO or anything like that. He just sort of like did it. Like he, he, to me, he's like the almost like the the archetypal low IQ psycho where he's just he's just doing things. Yeah, and he's you not know, really thinking. He's just doing stuff, and he's doing whatever makes him feel good or feel powerful or whatever it is. But or he's trying to, you know, it, it's just a strange man, dude. Strange. He, man.
0: he would, he would, but but the the here's the weird thing though, not that it's not already weird. Yeah. But, but to try to to wear. Uh, a dead woman's skin like he did there there's some super psychological fucked up shit going on there because it's like he's trying to embody his mother
1: yeah is the way i see it It maybe that's the only good thing you know i mean it's the only good thing in his life so he wants to become it or try to bring it back into existence because like there's no way that he doesn't know that she's dead you know i'm talking about i don't
0: know i wonder i I question that
2: You know, they could even, and again, I don't want to, this is maybe for the later discussion we deep dive, but I do think there's something to that that goes back pretty far, Uh, you know, keeping the elders around, you know, digging up like uh, the skulls of the elders, like you would, you would bury them and you would wait till they had decomposed enough um, to, to mainly leave a skeleton and then you would take the skull out and you would polish it off and then they would keep it out there for like the uh, initiation ceremonies and the celebrations and they would be like the first ones served with drinks and food. And so there was this idea that they never really left you and that uh, they were still with you uh, and you had to revere them and and them dying almost like ascended them to a higher position of like the elder. And so that could be it. And maybe him wearing the skin could be him like superimposing, like maybe this you know his mother never was the um nurturing provider that he wanted her to be and so him cutting off her skin and wearing it is almost like him trying to commandeer her and and like turn her into what he wanted by wearing to
1: to be well, yeah, become the thing that he wanted her to be or like make it make it real
2: yes which is yeah. very union you know the individuation of uh you know and the process of individuation involves the anima projection and like finding your anima in your exactly or your wife or whatever.
0: That's an, in, a very important point to make. I just want to make one quick distinction here. Remus said, uh, Ed Gein killed a lot of people. He actually only killed two people, but he dug up a ton of corpses that he didn't murder. So he had, I don't know how many corpses in his house, uh, when the police found him, but he actually <laughs> had valid. only killed two of them. Uh, but the thing is, is that one of the people he killed, at least one maybe both were was found upside hanging upside down in his barn gutted like a deer uh so so there's this element of um treating a human being like uh like cattle or yes. like uh, And that's a that's a, a
1: very obvious theme. obvious theme in this movie. Yeah. Right.
0: So um. what do you guys make of of all of this the cannibalism the the there's a dead grandmother. The only female in the family is a dead grandmother who they keep around upstairs.
1: Uh, they don't bring her down. They oh yeah, down. It Looks
2: like he's about to be dead. Like yeah. I thought he was dead when I first saw him. Yeah, yeah. you assume he's blood, dead. blood. to him, and it was like, oh shit, he's he is sucking her finger. Like he's still somewhat alive.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I found I found that fascinating. I found this sort of like the the, the taking in of the young blood. Yeah, that's um, the key
0: to the whole film for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, honestly. You know, I think, I think, um, I, I was telling, uh, Astro this before, uh, before we started recording, but we were talking about, uh, uh, my wife and I were talking yesterday when, when I watched it about, about the idea of, um, this, the movie being sort of a, a, a look at vegetarianism and sort of like, maybe even the hip, I was thinking maybe even the hypocrisy of the, of the, of the hippie movement. Um, right. because basically the, all of the victims are hippies, right? Um, But it's the idea that, like, you know, right in the beginning, they talk about the slaughterhouse and they're talking about the way that they kill the animals right they're They're treated like livestock for the whole movie, Um, I guess, like the idea of the movie is that this is this is what this is what it is to eat animals right is to is to brutalize them in this way, uh, make them fearful in this way, and then eat them consume them right. Especially um,
2: in the modern life where uh, slaughterhouses
1: ex- are, exactly okay. I, I, like, listen I, I have to agree right like a, a slaughterhouse culture and slaughterhouse in the, the the entire basically slaughter industry is essentially like the propagation and consumption of like the most insane pain engine yeah. that I've ever seen it's Nightmarish it's beyond to about horrific
2: that. from what like the tribals even did, and you know, people it, it's not even close. no
1: one who's about, ever like, lived, no one but, who's ever like, lived has ever others. done anything like this.
2: No, like it, this is this, and this is in the most civil era, right? This is yeah, a, yeah we're, we're like, like humane, you know, oh god, we have the most rights, and and that's that's something you've touched on. I, it's, I'm glad you said the hippies because I, you know, it's I feel like there's a little bit of an element there where, um, when she's driving, and and again, maybe I. It, there's a big tangent I'm going to go on about this, but I'm not going to just jump in on this. But I will just touch on the fact that, um, in the beginning,
1: the I Saturn think, connection.
2: Yes, she starts yeah, talking. No, about bro, do that now. Do that. Now I started that's tripping a really
1: balls when that's she a said a really, that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Yo, what yeah, the fuck really is happening?" Naughty, man. We'll, we'll get to the aesthetics right later because that's
0: yeah. a really good take. Go go off on that.
2: Okay, so well then I'll just okay. So basically, you know, in the beginning, for those who don't know, which a lot of you guys have seen it, but um, and and this is going to kind of link with what Remus says about the hippies she's talking about um, their horoscopes and she starts talking about how like Saturn is in retrograde and it's a very malefic planet. And when a malefic planet is in retrograde, um, you know, it's a bad omen and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, most of them are just kind of like, Oh, you, do you really believe all this stuff? And even she's like, I mean, she's saying it, but she's the rest of the movie. She's not like, going oh my god guys we got to be careful because saturn's in retrograde she's just sort of she's just reading off her like pop magazine, pure you know pure I
1: mean? lip service it's literally american horror, sc- like it, it's like a yeah it's like a it's like a it's like a uh, like a digest there's nothing like, yes there's, it's no specialization there it's what you would get at any grass station type thing like
2: like the faux esotericism where you're just exactly. trying to look like, quirky and and that's what i think i think that's a theme of this movie is that because they're hippies she's touching on it but she doesn't really understand it and little does she know that they're actually about to run into a real modern saturn cult and it's like oh you you were just kind of like talking out of your ass about this just to like sound intelligent or deep but like no this shit's real and you're about to come face to face with it and it's not going to be this little uh, cutesy magazine stuff that you thought it was but but just to, to, to get onto to that um, you know uh, when we talk about Saturn, you know, obviously the Titan of Greece, he, he eats his own children. That's also very, you know, the cannibalism theme is very big with yeah, him. He's very big with Titans in general because uh, I want to make a parallel here. So, um, well, I'll first start. So, that, so the, the origin story of Dionysus um, is when he was a baby, you know, he was kept in this cave. And he was given several toys to play with, one of which is a bull roar, which is important. I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But he played with like a bull roar and a lot of other things. But basically, eventually, uh, a group of titans stormed into the cave and they were painted white and they tore him apart. And they roasted him and ate him. And then a lot of stuff that's superfluous to what we're talking about here happens with like Athena and Zeus. But they end up uh, rebirth, you know, rebirthing him because I think they, they grab his heart. They ended up saving his heart. They use that to make him be born anew. And um, so he's he's ripped apart, he's cooked, he's eaten, and he's reborn. Well, there's a tribal um, ceremony in Australia where the males, quote-unquote, kidnap the young boy. They take him away from his mother because before that, he's really kind of stuck to his mother's side. That's in their tradition. He's really taken care of by the women, and then he's, like, stolen away by the men as if, like, adulthood has yanked him out of childhood and the protection of it. It's like, now you're going to become a man. Well, the adults cover themselves in white bird down. It's kind of the parallel to the white paint. And they do a ritual where they um, simulate the act of tearing him apart. They all fall upon him and they tear him apart and they eat him. Not literally, but some some tribes do, but literally, they don't literally do it. It's it, This is just making him a man, but he's, he's torn apart figuratively and eaten and then reborn as a man. And it's a whole part of their ritual. And when you look at that, it lines up perfectly. And by the way, a big part of that, Ceremony is bull roars. They're blowing bull roars roars, and that sound is permeating the whole um, uh, ceremony. And so the interesting part of that is that and this is something Campbell suggested was that um, he thinks that the Titans in Greek myth are actually a stand in for the old tribal gods. And if you want to look at it from like an Evolian perspective, uh, where the golden age declines into the lunar age, and that is like an agricultural, they, they, the, it, the, the mother goddess is the chief goddess there, the human sacrifice stuff starts, the matriarchy starts, um, and then the bronze age was what the Greeks were, is like a reaction to it, where they're coming out of it and they're like, they're not okay with that anymore. So it's a, it's a, a very hard turn right back to the uh, masculine, and it, it almost becomes like overly masculine to a fault. So it makes sense that in their mythology, the chthonic gods that their gods rebelled against and created their civilization from were these old tribal matriarchal uh, fertility gods. And so that I think is interesting. And then to, to play on that, when he walks in, when, and this is in Chainsaw, when they walk into the house, I don't remember which guy it is. But one of the guys looks in the wall and there's a bunch of spiders and it's a very distinct shot. So it wasn't like accidental. Like they wanted you to see this. There's a big shot legs. of a, yeah, the baby spider is just crawling, teeming out of this hole. And he sits there and he stares at it for a while. And it's very ominous. And then it like moves on. Well, Freud said at one point that the fright from seeing a spider stems from unconscious association with the phallic mother of those tribal myths. He thinks that it's, it's the negative inverse of the woman. It's the woman who castrates and sterilizes the man. Uh, you can look at, like the vagina dentata myths of Apaches. It's a very common tribal myth, and that's what Freud thinks that comes from. And so I think that that really feeds into it. And you know, then you can look at all kind of other parallels. You can look at the fact that these group, this this group of people, they keep their elders. One of which is dead, like you said. One of which is about to die. They keep them there as these revered um, elders, even though they're not like really. Well, oh, and alive. notice the,
0: the one that's a corpse is the matriarch. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm, i didn't yeah that is true and she is and she's dead so she's even like further up oh yeah um, no she's in a full
1: state of decomposition she's like she's like at the she's almost like mummified
0: right right yeah. and, and, and the other the the, the, blood. the grandfather is like a living mummy yeah yes, he looks you like noticed, you notice he looks like like make the make
1: yellow man from sin city but like blue <laughs> he's just strange
2: well they they and didn't they when they were uh they were gonna kill the girl The reason why they weren't able to kill her is because one of the younger guys wouldn't do it. They were like, no, the grandfather has to do it. It's his job. Like that's his role. And that whole dinner scene was almost like a, a old ceremonial ritual in the modern form where like she sits there and they, they sit down to eat and then they put her across the bowl and then the the grandpa hits her. And they were even like holding his hand, trying to like make him hit her. And I, like I said, I think there's a lot of
0: parallels. Fucking excellent. That's excellent. This is, this is what I think. Uh, well, I have a lot to say about that scene. That scene, I could, I could focus solely on that scene because that's the reason why I think this movie is so rich with uh, significance for our time today. Um, but on the one hand, what you're saying about the old gods um, and they're, they're sacrificing her to the old god and they're sacrificing her to uh, the phallic patriarch, right? Now, one of the other things Jung says uh, about he he doesn't he's a Catholic and he or at least he identifies more with Catholic Christianity than he does with Protestant Christianity. And he uh, he denounces it for certain things uh, in a lot of his work. But in one place, he says that they get rid of the feminine, that Catholicism, Spengler says this too. Catholicism had to bring the feminine in because it didn't it didn't sort of offset all the masculine. And if we're going to take a Nietzschean read of this, it would be uh, an Apollonian and a Dionysian. They're, they're out of balance. So you have to they created the cult of Mary uh, in order to uh, offset the 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 metastasism of male energy. Now, according to Jung, the problem with Protestantism is that they repressed the feminine. And now here's the thing you have to accept. Uh, certain things on Freud and Jung to, to kind of go along with my interpretation here but Freud says that the repressed will always return it will always manifest in some way. Uh, Jung talks about the shadow he says that there's always whatever you are in your waking conscious life Your unconscious uh, within your unconscious there's the shadow and if you don't incorporate your unconscious into your conscious life the shadow will kind of uh be this like demon that's stalking you and the way i see it is that the feminine and and, or the dionysian because of course the feminine isn't isn't the nice uh flaxen-haired maiden in a field who's you know nursing her baby the feminine in this sense especially the nietzschean sense is chaos and, and and it's chaotic so they're sacrificing the feminine in in uh, the height and the apex, the climax or the apogee of her youth, of her fertility. And instead of her uh, become, coming to sexual maturity and becoming pregnant with child and giving birth, she's being sacrificed to this uh, decomposing, decaying male god. And I see this as a representation of the repression of the feminine in favor of the patriarchal or the male or the masculine, but, it's gotten to the point, it's gone on for so long that it's beginning to mutate and take on this decrepit, sort of um, uh, harmful, decaying uh, uh, likeness that is uh, starting to, to cannibalize the youth. And that's what a gerontocracy is. It's a metastasized elderly population who is vampirizing the youth and the energy and the vitality of the youth. So, uh, you know, this movie, it's, it's a trope in all horror to have like the oversexualized female and this is certainly in there they're very not only are they very attractive and they're wearing tight clothes and you can see their nipples through their shirts and all that stuff in my notes
1: the, i wrote yeah low angles like four times <laughs> in the my film. head as
0: i'm talking i'm like q remus with the low angles
1: <laughs> low angles <laughs> so constantly. all and all these
0: all these movies do this they drive this point home and it's not just for the titillation of the sex and the violence combined Um, It's also making this point, right, that the that the vitality of the youth is literally being cannibalized and vampirized by uh, by the elderly who are being kept alive on life support and the life support for them in real life now is, you know, ICU ventilators and dialysis machines and blood pressure medication, etc. But uh, in the in the archetypical representation of it, it's it's the the blood of the youth. Now, I'm going to let you guys come in here after I make one last point because I said the thing about the return of the repressed and the shadow, right? So they're kind of, um, just like the Aztecs did, they're, they're kind of um, uh, absorbing like this vortex, like this black hole or sucking up all the youth from around them to feed it to their elders, to feed it to their ancient gods so that they can keep them alive and prevent the new uh, from coming about or to prevent the youth from individuating and coming into their own. Um, and that's what a gerontocracy does now. If you're repressing the feminine, and it's going to return, and and the shadow is instead of being incorporated uh, into the whole of the body politic or into the whole of the individual, it's going to come back as a shadow to stalk you and to me, that shadow is the skin wearer, and it's the skin walker, and it's the, the murderer who's chopping up the bodies and feeding them to the elderly, who's wearing the skin. And he's like this mutated version of the feminine. He's this like horrific shadow version of the feminine. And I think this is kind of what was going on with Ed Gein in a way, because he was unable to like individuate as a man separate from his mother. He was being smothered by his mother and he was unable to like get out from underneath that and uh, separate from her. And, and, and the great mother, of course, wants to always bring you back to her, her womb, and bring you back to her breast and nurture you in death and nurture you uh, in the unconscious realm, right. And you have to have the bravery to step away from her to individuate into yourself to become fully who you are, and then bravely return to her when it's time for you to die. And I think his inability to do that to to individuate and to to step away from the great mother uh he 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 couldn't bear to be without her he couldn't bear to have her be dead and he couldn't bring her back to life so what he did instead is he wore the skin of women in order to sort of like embody this other half of himself that he'd gotten cut like violently off from himself it's like the umbilicus never got cut and when she died Uh, the umbilicus was violently rendered asunder and he was alone so his shadow kind of resurfaced as him wearing the skin of these dead women and (laughs) the fucked up part is that ed guy literally did this but in a movie like the the texas chainsaw massacre it's a it's a myth and it's like a fairy tale and i think that uh leatherface uh dressing as the woman is like the shadow self of the of the feminine returning in this mutated way and then and then my final thought on this is i think it tells us a lot about today's transgender uh movement and transgender i didn't know
2: you were gonna go there i was i was considering going there yeah i i think that's what this
0: was a canary in the coal mine for it's exactly what i mean it's the return of the repressed and it's the feminine shadow of a (laughs) patriarchal culture and i don't mean patriarchy in the bullshit feminine way because i think patriarchy is good But but here we're talking about the Apollonian and the Dionysian. We're talking about the the total rejection of of chaos in the in the interest of imposing order onto the universe. Uh, but that takes that that takes a massive amount of energy and 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 tension, and the whole point of the Dionysian rituals was to relieve that tension. So if you have this like puritanical culture, you're going to uh, you're going to have this major reaction. So instead of having like rituals in our society in which we uh, let off the tension a little bit by having uh, these like Dionysian you know orgiastic uh, uh, cultural culturally uh, cultural wide uh rituals instead the entire culture just collapses and devolves into this uh, you know sexual libertinism and yeah. this uh, this gerontocracy that i was talking about so hopefully i was able to make that concise and clear i didn't intend to put my entire read of the film into that little diatribe there but uh that's what happens when we get on a roll here at the astral flight simulation so remus uh please please come in with your uh your we are 13- flying
1: we are flying we're at Astral-y. um but uh, okay so uh, there's a lot like I was so much of the movie to me is built on the character of Franklin I while he, watching the, the, movie, the
0: guy in the, I'm not trying to interrupt you but just to clarify he's, a he's the guy in the wheelchair yeah he's yes. an interesting character and he's
1: kind of like uh, mentally yeah. challenged a little bit or something like there's something he's not okay he's not, he's not all there right but he's but, onto it Franklin is the only person who actually realizes that there's something weird going on in the film.
2: Even right? Saturn he even says, "Do you think that stuff was maybe real?" And they're like, "Oh." He's the only
1: person giving it? any credence, right? And he's the most childlike. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's also the only person who gets killed by the chainsaw. Okay, right. everybody else gets beaten uh like cattle they're all killed in the exact like okay at the very beginning of the movie when they they, pick up the younger brother they pick up the younger brother and he's like clearly the weirdest person ever that you would never want in your car yeah right (laughs) he's closest to franklin and he's just doing crazy shit the whole time right but the first thing that they start talking about is the slaughterhouse and he talks about how his grandpa used to be an amazing slaughterer. that ends up being the grandfather right he would kill cows in one hit you know what i mean they they had been raised in that world of of death right and killing and using everything that's one of the things that he says as well they yes. use all the parts right uh he, he, they're talking about uh head cheese or something right like just 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 using it in every way right he's the movie, got, he's the got movie pu-
0: was originally going to be called head cheese
1: oh that's amazing yeah interesting uh okay so he's got pouches made of animals like all kinds of weird stuff right then he just burns the photo right? he has the camera for no reason burns the photo when he realizes they're not going to pay him for it and then he starts bringing his knife out like a weirdo right cuts his own hand right yeah
0: well Ev has a take on that we'll we'll let you finish though and but uh, uh he's putting he's putting a curse on them but i want you to to, to say yeah he's definitely about, he's frankly.
1: marking them for death in that moment exactly right? yeah he's marking it with blood right um his own but uh, Franklin to me is interesting because he seems to be the only person despite, like one. Yes. You have the hippie angle. Hippies are all free love. Right. But he's the blonde girl's br- brother, I guess. Um, he's related to her. He, she brought him along, Sally. Right. Um, and he's the nuisance in her life. Yeah. Right. He should be the person that the hippies are most careful with most taken care of right by their own ideology or brother by, by their own thinking he's the he's the lowest of them and you could think and they treat him like it they don't really take very much credence of what he says uh they don't listen to him very much everything that he suggests they basically ignore um and he acts as a burden basically the whole time right um he's killed extremely violently uh they don't show it but he's killed extremely violently. Um, but I think the sort of, um, I think there's something to that. The fact that he's like, he's, he's the, the, the the lesser of them and the one treated worse and dies the worst, right? Um, I think the fact that, you know, they're cannibals is pretty obvious here with the whole Kronos and Saturn aspect, right? But I think there's something to the idea of like, S- Saturn from what I understand is a rule maker, right? That's why there's the ring around him. He he's penned in. He's 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 literally boundaries, right? So a retrograde Saturn, Saturn reversed, is no boundaries. It's
0: chaos. Right. That's right. oh my god. That ties right into something I wanted to say. Right. And he's it's it's Saturn gone wild, gone
1: gone without borders, well, because which is no
2: longer culturally sanctioned. Right. It's just in the backwoods of Texas now. Like exactly. Like
1: exactly and the whole thing is i guess about the consuming of things that you're treating as lesser right but also like you're taking them in in a way and like it's nourishing you right you see them as something that it's like almost like um we have to eat them because it gives us what we need but we treat them as like the like nothing we literally like we we, the chase scene is so horrifying and that's I imagine. Imagine how many animals are killed like that, chased around the room, around corpses that they know, right? That's their people. Is the there something? Yes. Yeah, the smell. The smell. The smell
0: must set their instincts like fucking on the, the fire. The smell, the
1: the 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 sound, the fact that you're being chased, the fact that the things that are chasing you are taking pleasure in it, they're enjoying themselves, they find it fun, right? You ever watch videos of the inside of those places man those guys are having they're they're, they're just <laughs> they, joking they have, around
2: right? it's like not like in a hunting society where like you're exactly like there's a reverence face, you know
1: in a hunting society there's reverence for the thing that you're hunting you're you're giving yes. it's a equal it's two equals right who are like testing one another right and even in, in in people that hunt like dangerous game like boars and shit right that'll kill you uh, those people have another level of reverence and another level of respect because they know they're going into battle. It's not it's not like it's not, oh, I'm about to go chase this thing and then just slaughter it. It's not it's not the same energy. It doesn't have the same
0: uh, and a, and a feeling. feeling. Death Machine. Yeah. yeah. But, but let me ask you something, though, if I remember correctly, uh, Franklin's the only one they don't eat is that right yes
1: he's the only one that they don't eat they just it's kill as we
0: know i guess because yeah I, I guess as
1: far as they know because she just wakes up but, yeah. yeah she just wakes up at the at the dinner table
0: there might be something there about the fact that he's handicapped and he's in a wheelchair that he's, yeah i think uh, so I yeah, think so. I think so. i think there's something they, to that yeah, um they, as
1: i also thought uh we were, we were talking about the end scene right where they're 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 trying to kill, kill her right like finally do the deed and they're trying to get the grandpa to do it and he's so like decaying and sclerotic that he can't he can't you can't even hold the hammer, right? And one, that's to me, that's Saturn gone rampant because it's, it's it, like, dude, it, it, it's them insisting that the old thing is still hap- real. It's still, you know what I mean? He can still do it, he's still virile, he's still the best. Yeah, hammer slaughterer yeah, in, say, in, worry, the, in he's Texas. Gonna, it's going to be over quick. He's the best.
2: Yeah, he's the best. He yeah, he's the be- that's the one all. that
1: they keep doing. It. He's the best. He's so good. And he can't even... He can, right? That, that's them clinging. He they're clinging. Like
2: twice. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're, they're clinging. And then the youngest, the most chaotic, the least controllable. Yeah. Leatherface is by far the most controlled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the least controllable. I don't remember... I don't think they even
0: name him. Yeah, I think he's just the hitchhiker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he, he finally decides because he is saturn retrograde personified in the film he is the the living embodiment of it okay he is literally completely random at all times you never know what the fuck he's going to do he's so chaotic he has no seemingly no rules or boundaries he just does stuff right he's so the, he decides that he's going to do it right and he takes the hammer and in taking the hammer in taking the the the
0: the implement the,
1: Yes, in mm-hmm. taking the role, he lets go, and he stops doing his job.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Okay, boy, that, just, and just in that throw, moment, she escapes.
2: Just she to throw the in. For that thing in the remake, which was not as good, but I think two thousand three, mm. there was a little boy. I think his name was Jedediah, and they treat him like shit. And he's the one that ends up saving the chick and helping uh. her escape because he's disenfranchised with what the family does. See, he's the
0: next generation. He's the next exactly. generation. Exactly. exactly. But hey, real quick, because uh, Remus, you said a lot of things that uh, we want to take up here. Well, so, I'm not done. I'm not done. Oh, go ahead. I'm not done. Finish, sorry. The, the,
1: the most important part of this, right, is the consequence of the action. So he she runs away. She gets away. They're chasing her. They're chasing her. They're chasing her. Now it's morning. does he? Do? He catches up to her. She, she can barely run. He catches up to her. What does he do? He tortures her more. Yeah, he slashes her. her. He starts just hurting her taking pleasure in it right he is now unbound there's no longer any there's there's no there's no order here there's no there's no it's just hurting for hurting's sake right he is now fully he's toying with her he's totally yes, he has now fully become the like broken thing there's no more even directive anymore he just wants to do stuff and slashing her slashing her somebody drives up right uh, they have the moment of like the little chase around the car, and then the eighteen wheeler comes and it hits him and he gets fu- absolutely plastered.
0: Yeah, well, right? he hit it, it hits him first. Then he gets out of the eighteen wheeler and that's when they get chased around the car. Yeah, sorry, sorry. get chase around after that. And he him fucking further. beams that, him with the with the. Yeah, and wrench. then the
1: other guy shows up and she gets in the back of the yeah. of the of the thing. Yeah, but Leatherface, even though she gets away, he doesn't even really care. Like he still did his job. You know what I mean. He's still, it, the whole thing is still Saturn unbound. The whole thing is Saturn, right? It's, it's, it's rules gone completely mad. And when they break, it goes even worse. It, and the thing that they were trying to do doesn't even get done. Like they can't even, they break themselves. They can't even, they can't even do their own shit anymore because they're so beyond um, any sense of uh, order. Like there's no, nobody's heading the thing anymore. i I gotta
0: interrupt and ask you a question though you said saturn is the equivalent to Kronos, and and that's a titan correct it's not one of the pantheon it's a jupiter jupiter
1: is zeus right so jupiter is almost like the barrier to the outer to the chthonic in the in the in the the mind right is i think past jupiter it's all titans or they're like minor gods or things yeah yeah
2: because uranus was the father of the sky uh well pluto but pluto is a chthonic god and there's a whole separate there's the Olympian gods, but then there's the Kathana. Yeah, Pluto gods doesn't count because he's
1: he's Hades, he's Hades uh, right? He's he's so supposed to be out there. He's supposed I, to be out there. They sent him there. He's even right? like,
2: yeah, like their warden of the like he he's the one that like is their ambassador to like chaos and Nix exactly. and whoever else might be.
1: Yeah, Nix who is the knight. Yeah.
0: Yes. Let yes. me uh man, you guys know this stuff really well. Let me listen, uh, I got obsessed with Greek mythology when I was like ten.
1: Well, I didn't I didn't see any still of this. It's all been been there.
0: Any so of this fair. angle until I talk to you guys about it. Um, Ab, I want to, I want to ask you to to uh, elaborate on something real quick. But let me throw something in here because I didn't actually know that there was all this uh, connection to the Titans at all and to, to this excess. So I want to I want to um, make an addendum to what I said before. Uh, the book, um, The Birth of Tragedy by Nietzsche is the book that the uh, the the Apollonian versus the Dionysian, the Apollonian. Uh, order and the Dionysian chaos, Uh, Apollonian corresponds to the male, Dionysus to the female. Uh, And this is where Freud gets his idea, or at least not, maybe it didn't inspire the idea, but this is kind of where he draws on for his concept of the unconscious. The unconscious is Dionysian. Um, In The Birth of Tragedy, Nietzsche says that the titans represent intemperance and excess, And, and the whole purpose of the Apollonian is to rein that in and to, to, like I said before, put order on it. So when the, when the, um, if someone is sort of embodying or allowing the Titans to, to kind of emerge and, and the archetype of the Titans is to come to the fore excess is, uh, uh, is going to be the, the rule. I don't want to say the rule because the rule sounds like, uh. Like order excess is going to the become, be, become unbound thank you it's going to be the you can think of them as
1: the instincts they are well, they are you can't like okay yeah well, so, like on. how a dog because... can't stop itself from eating sometimes because you know i mean it's that kind of trained
2: right yeah the... you can't
1: restrain itself it's it's you letting that out right so yeah that it's like, no, you're almost right. like the olympians are man's chain upon itself right is hey you can't just do whatever you want dog you have well to...
0: the, the instincts are like a survival tactic right and the yeah. impulse the impulse is to act on your instincts and then you have to temper it with your conscious mind yes so that you don't have the excess and the titans yes. are the are the I, well i think
1: from that reading that's the way to look at it right yeah. no it's, you're absolutely absolutely yeah. right but that, I, that word didn't pop but in i think chronos chronos but... is interesting because he's like the he, he's very much that he's trying to st- he's he's Killing them in the cradle because he's he's afraid of being usurped. That's the prophecy
2: he's, like, he's you know, told. His time is
1: up. Yeah, he literally is told one of your sons is going to like de- defeat you, best you in every way, and usurp you in every way. And he's like, okay, so I've got to just kill them all. Well,
0: and right? this is why, right? This is why the patriarch doesn't want to die, and he 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 has to consume the mm-hmm. youth. But the, just to finish my point, what I wanted to say was that the um <clears throat> in the Bible you have the the story of the outer dark, right? And you got the Cormac McCarthy book where, where this character is unable to uh, recognize the, the taboos in the, in the society that he lives in. In that book, he, uh, he has in, uh, an incestuous relationship with his sister and they bear a child. But in the book Totem and Taboo, Freud talks about uh, multiple uh taboos that you if you violate them you will be cast out into the outer dark right because the story in the bible is about uh recognizing certain formalities and if you don't recognize the formalities you can't sit at the banquet with the king think about that yeah uh and
1: you can't can't sit at the table with the king and and you get cast out into
0: into the outer dark and what takes place in the outer dark is the excess of the of the instincts and the impulses and so where was i going with that um Oh, so these was- this family lives in the outer dark. <laughs> Hell yes, they and do. And they are—they're also allowing drivers. their excesses and their instincts to run completely wild. And they are—they are participating in the completely banned taboo of cannibalism. So this is like the unconscious mind running amok here uh, uh, and they're and they're just cannibalizing and they're not recognizing any of the taboos of society and this gets back to the whole uh, stigma between the city and the country and the movie deliverance didn't come out too much longer after this and the whole idea that the people who live out in the country don't recognize the formalities of culture that people do uh, in civilization and this I was, girl, I was
1: literally about to comment on the fact that it's like yeah Freud's an urbanite so he would think that the that the outer that not being in the in the loving bosom of of of, of society is right. being in the gnashing horror that is let nature. But it's I think it's a little more you know what I mean it's always a little bit more complicated. Than it's that. Like, far more complicated. Yeah, than right? that, like, but uh, the, they, Nature they, can't be considered purely uh, excessive because it's extremely like
0: severe in the, its well, yeah. And, and these balances. kids get thrown they they well they travel outside the. Uh, yeah, the yeah. the restraints or the constraints and the the watchful eye of the law of society now i want to make it a quick abrupt jump though because uh way back i was talking about the wearing of the skin and even before that av was talking about these uh these uh planter rituals of of uh, cannibalizing or at least symbolically cannibalizing a member and you talked about the wearing of the skin. Uh, I want you to, to, to bring that thought back up because I have something to say about that too. And I'm sure Remus does, but, um, I don't think you fully got to finish that point about this. Sh- I
2: forgot. Yes. Um, let, I actually had a specific ritual I did think about for that. Um, so this is, uh, an Aztec ritual, right? And kind of to your point, even about how, um, there's no respect for the victims in texas chainsaw because it's almost like a postmodern degradation uh kind of an uncontrolled uh, eruption of those old primal rituals but um in aztec rituals um they pick out a slave girl and it's usually the prettiest they can get and they basically anoint her as a embodiment of the maize goddess and I know the name. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, but it's Chico Mecohuatl, but it's it's there. it's the corn goddess, which if you want to just go in the Kronos reference. Kronos is often seen holding a scythe. Um, he's linked to time. That yes, is very much something. Yes, and what did that come from? Uh, the reverence for that, and that is a symbol came from farming because that's what mm-hmm. you do. You're, you are reaping the crops. You are the uh, harbinger of time and of death and 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 the uh, maintainer of that cycle Karma. Of death and rebirth, you know, he's and that, the, that cycle was was something that was introduced. He's the
1: debt people. that must be paid.
2: It, yes, 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 yes. It exactly. It's and that wasn't a conception in hunter culture because hunter culture, um, I, that's a whole another discussion. But but they they had a much different view towards death. Death was much more of like this mysterious other to be like resisted. Uh, and there's something to be said about maybe the advancement that, that agriculture could have brought to the human consciousness by uh, affirming it. But uh, regardless, they they end up taking the slave girl and they parade her around. And this is this is something that goes on for days. You know, they put these green feathers on her. They um they 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 cheer for you know the priests. They bow to her and they pray over her and they anoint her. Uh, and then obviously it all ends with them cutting off her head and uh, cutting out her heart and skinning her and eating her and then the priest puts on her skin and uh and the garments that she was wearing and they par- and parades it around as if like um the ritual has been fulfilled and we've now been imbued with the blessing of the maize goddess and we're going to get a good harvest maize going forward and that i think is a very poignant thing and i also think that in terms of the skin wearing um leather face i believe it's sometimes he wears like i think for the dinner scene he put on a like pretty face. Exactly right. Like, like lipstick. He has
1: different. Stuff. He has different outfits. Like, yes. makeup,
2: and, and he takes on <laughs> roles of different family members depending mm-hmm. on what family member is needed but isn't there anymore. And in a,
0: he
1: wears a, the the makeup, but he's wearing a suit.
2: Yes,
0: right. Yes, it's yeah. the it's the shadow of the feminine uh, reemerging because they they've negated it. In yeah, the it doesn't level. exist. Notice there's no, they, they, no yeah, mother. They died, you know. They have a dad. He's the gas station yeah. guy.
2: That's right, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. The, what did they do with the
0: him. mom? Is the mom the face that Leatherface is wearing? Seriously, <laughs> there's in, so know,
1: many questions.
2: <laughs> one one thing that's interesting is that there's a uh, if you want a more explicit uh, example of, of cannibalism of actual eating of the initiate. It's not just a symbolism. Is that in Indonesia they do a whole orgiastic ritual where um, essentially the Dima, the 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 mother goddess she inhabits the whole tribe. And they're all wearing masks, but those masks are taken to all be different faces and manifestations of that same mother and the whole tribe is like united into one like super organism and basically uh, they have a young girl who is in the Center and the young boy initiates. all go around and they start to like copulate with her and the whole other time, everyone else in the village is like, just copulating with each other. Like it's just a free for all, like orgiastic mass. Just, you just, you just throw yourself on whoever's there. And the young initiates take turns on the girl. And then the very last one, when he uh, embraces the girl, they, they're under this giant wooden uh, pyre type of thing, not pyre, but a scaffold. And right when he goes under, they yank the um, support beams out. And it crushes the girl and the guy. And then they pull their corpses out, cut them up and eat them. And that's like the end of the ritual. And so the idea of Leatherface wearing multiple masks to, to fulfill different familial roles is the same thing in the tribe. All these practitioners are wearing different masks to symbolize like different manifestations of that same goddess. Um, And I think that's something that's really important as well.
0: Yeah. Real quick. I want to say two quick things. First, there is the motif of the, uh, of the camp or the the community that's isolated way out in the wilderness that is bereft of females there's a the motif of one of them embodying the feminine character um the return of the rep- repressed in a, in a literal way and this is depicted uh humorously in the movie the jim jarmusch movie dead man which is is a great fucking movie and uh there's a scene where Iggy Pop is the woman and he's cooking and cleaning and he's wearing a dress and they're, they're uh, uh, fur trappers way out, and I think, in Colorado or California. And apparently this was a real thing. Um, men would go, you know, far out into the wilderness, months, months away on, on horseback, uh, living off the land. And one of them would uh, supposedly manifest this, uh, the feminine role um, so it's a literal playing out of what I was talking about, and I wanted to say something else too because Av reminded me of some reading I was doing a, for, in preparation for this about tribal rituals and how they are replayed uh, in our films. It's really funny to me. I think uh, not funny, but interesting that uh, I think uh, mythology has taken on, um, uh, it's manifested itself in our culture as horror and science fiction. I think I think oh, for action, sure. Action, you know, and um, comedy, and romance fulfill different roles. Oh, fuck! What's his name? Grant Morrison. Uh, the comic book guy.
1: Yeah, that guy yeah. is a mad genius. Like he's yeah. like legitimately yeah. a a he. Half of his comics are just full of like sigils and stuff like he like just does magic and then he puts it in yeah, his stuff uh, Same he, with uh, but he James believes who, that he's like yeah it's that we are we are the, the th- these are eternal stories yeah you cannot run from them they will always manifest themselves and they do so in different ways i think he sees it as superheroes are one of the ways that we're doing that in many ways it's, it's true that Mar- Mar- marvel is essentially the olympian god's pantheon of, or whatever of, of our day right it's like if you ask the average kid who is the hulk and what does he embody they know just like a god Yeah, he's an archetype yeah
0: yeah exactly. he's, he's literally he's yeah, hercules and or something. something
2: to throw in on that uh just because it's something that it's, it's a little bit it kind of irks me uh, I, you know, I got this a lot when i posted a thread about like zelda and the arthurian myth and and i see people do this all the time is people will always want to jump in and say well the, the author or the, uh, the creator, he didn't intend for that. You know, you really think he read all this Nietzsche and, and mythology and Joseph Campbell and then he put all that in? And it's like, well, A, a lot of times they are. A lot of times yeah, they're – Yeah, clearly like, they, they do at clauses. times. And even if they aren't, that doesn't take away from the fact that, like Remus said, these are eternal stories that are imprinted within everyone and and they manifest and even and the further you try to suppress them the more they will come out anyway even if they come out in like degraded uh shallower forms they will be there those symbols will be there and uh you know i don't know that it's just something that yeah, they didn't cool. create like, well, their if stories that, then don't even listen to this podcast don't even like follow seriously Twitter, that's, that's like the most yeah. you know that's
1: the most like uh, room temperature iq thing to say it just doesn't even make sense it's like guys we're talking about stuff that has existed since before people yeah
0: like Young uh, Young says that symbols have a certain amount of like uh, symbolic significance for the people, the culture that uses them, and uh they eventually run out and they, they're mined for all of their significance and then they're dead, meaningless symbols, and they, they have to go away. And archetypes are these uh the 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 re uh presentation of these symbols over time and certain ones are probably always going to come back and i wanted to say real quick one of the ones we will
1: we will never get away from for example the father the mother and the child those are things as long as there are humans there will always be those ideas
0: and that's that goes back to what i was saying about Mm -hmm. how christianity had to create the cult of mary you had to have that trinity
1: you can't pretend that a fundamental part of the thing is not there. Yeah. It's so idiotic. when Protestantism it's the gets rid of thing. it, when it's physics. exactly, it's it, c- physics. It, 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 this is why I'm so fucking frustrated with people. It's like, yo, yeah, this is uh, mad. as above, <laughs> so below yeah. is not a joke. Just because you think it's a psyop from Renaissance, uh, whatever, Enlightenment thinkers that were Medic, making up whatever. Hermes Trismegist, whatever. I don't, dude. I don't, ca- I don't care what logo tier take you have on the idea that this stuff's all actually worthless no these ideas are real and if it always, wasn't yeah
0: if it was worthless like, it wouldn't keep turning up it, it, it
1: wouldn't be so lindy <laughs> exactly <laughs> it, 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 it wouldn't continue to Well, well show hold on let me get this over because over we're,
0: over. we're running out of time here and yeah. i want to get this last thought off here because um, it goes back to what everything we're saying one of the archetypes that keeps coming back is the uh, the the king who has to be killed uh, and everything yes. I was saying before about, um, you know, the 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 analogy of the old man being fed the blood of the young girl in the, in the height of her sexuality is playing out today where all you know, all of our, our tax money is going to medic. I think we spend over half a trillion dollars a year on Medicare to keep uh, octogenarians and whatever the. 90 for five more years to keep them alive for five more years while the youth, while they go ride a horse, while they ride a horse. But but what are the youth doing? The youth (laughs) in larger and larger in numbers every year, they're either dying of a fucking fentanyl overdose or they're parading themselves naked on OnlyFans. Their sexuality is being exploited, uh, as a way for them to economically sustain themselves. And I wanted to say that, um. You know, reading uh, James Fraser's The Golden Bough, he is the originator of this motif that shows up in American film because John Milius uh, overtly put it in Apocalypse Now. The book The Golden Bough appears in Apocalypse Now, and the, the killing of Colonel Kurtz, he intended it to be the, um, the, uh, the, the playing out of this archetype. But, but the, the inverse of that shows up here, and I'm not saying they meant it to. But the inverse of that shows up here because what he says in the Golden Bough is that if the king is allowed to get old and feeble, he will cause crop failures, he will cause droughts, he will cause yes. uh, disease to spread because the 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 you need a, a virile, powerful king who can do what? He can beat any man in the tribe in one-on-one combat, mm-hmm. and he can sexually pleasure multiple women in the same night, and he. James Fraser goes through all these different uh, examples of when the tribe decides it's time to kill the priest, or excuse me, to kill the king. If he gets gray hair, if he gets a scar, if he's bested in battle, if he can't pleasure all of his wives uh, and the list goes on and they know that the, that the king, when they kill him, his spirit will still be virile and it will go into the next one. It will go into the person who kind of usurps him. And that's what you see in uh in in um apocalypse now when martin sheen kills him but if you this don't is the power that, of ideas this is the power if, of symbols it's no longer that, about the
1: guy it's the no inverse no of that is
0: that the 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 youth have to lose their spirits to go into the vampiric spirit of the elder king uh which manifests itself symbolically right it's the movie where they're feeding the woman's blood to the guy but in real life the tribe believes it will manifest as all the things i said before famine pestilence and think about this how old joe biden is and what is that famous picture mocking him i've tweeted this before uh his wife sticks her finger out and it goes near his face and he leans forward and nibbles on it in the exact same motion that the the father the same exact thing so when i release this i'm going to retweet that uh Please that do. that those two pictures side by so side. Excellent. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going on here. And I've I've said my piece. Um well, I'm gonna let you I only have ten more minutes. I wanna let uh, let, me, let me just wrap it far. You guys are my really, guests. Really yeah, no, I'm gonna let, let, let you guys, guys finish. Um can I, can I throw in one quick yeah, yeah, go for it. No, no, it, no, yeah. Ten it. yeah, ten minutes, the ten minutes uh, is for you two. You two you, go. You
2: say how in the old traditions the king had to be viral and that that, that was or viral and that was the source of um nourishment for the culture and if he became old that would affect the whole culture well think of the kind of culture we have today in the west you can't you literally can't become the leader of the free world if you're too young that's exactly. they will literally say you don't yeah. have enough experience you or you, you've got to go pay your dues and kiss ass and lick boots and and you will only even the, get the chance to run for Hell, maybe even mayor. It's hard to even become a mayor yeah. that young. By the time you've gotten there, you're going to be old. You're going to have forfeited all your dignity by like selling out, and making stupid, corrupt, you know, under the table deals. And it's literally the opposite. It's an inverse of the viral culture. It's like, no, not only do we not care, like we don't prioritize youth, we hate you. You yeah, it is, it is
1: in fact, it is because you are young and virile that they do not want you because they think impulsivity, they can't, they don't know how to make decisions. All of those things that you Won't would be rational, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> going to make decisions too. Hey, you'd be too fast. Literally. That's right. the reason it's too fast. Uh, right. I, I did want to say um, the sort of the, the, one that's, that's, this, that's like the oldest story ever. The whole idea of the king being t- the, the, the health of the king and uh, the, the, the king embodied is tied to the land itself, right? Um, that's the Mahabharata, that's the grail myth, that's, that's so many stories. Um, but I think there's something to like, the power of symbol and the power of ideas is that they don't despair any longer. It becomes a bit more vicious, right? Where they're just sort of immediately disposing of anybody who's no longer uh, embodying the idea. But the power of it is that there is an idea to outlive the person at all, right? You, it's no longer your civilization or your, you know, your, your, your tribe falls apart when your leader dies. It's not about him. It's about the idea of kingship, the idea of rulership, what it means to be those things. And anybody, if worthy, can embody it, you know? Um, I think that there's great power in that it's no longer at the mercy of death in that, in that, in that, uh, in that scenario, right? Like, it's not like it just, uh, you know, if he's, if he's taken from you somehow, it's just over now. Um, You know, you can, you can rebuild, because it's almost like, it's not necessarily his spirit. I'm not sure, you know, I imagine different tribes would have different ways, right? Where maybe some people are like, yeah, no, it's literally the same guy's spirit coming back. It's a reincarnation type thing. Or it's just the idea of being a king, right? It's like r- rulership has a, has a, um, has a, almost like an outfit, a, a, a style, a way of being. And once that's established, then even you a- can, uh, act, like, bring it back, I guess,
2: right? And, you know, even... Uh the christian empires, like the byzantine empire like the king was seen as like he wasn't literally jesus because that was heresy but he was the harbinger of christ's will on earth
1: yes yes he is the embodiment of the of of what that means right that's the that's the idea here is that it's it's no longer um, uh, one one man who is the 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 way it's uh I guess it would take the right person to embody that so powerfully that they just go by his example. But that example becomes the the sort of standard by which everything is held. And that's, that's what the symbols are, right? Is the standard. Hey, I want to,
0: th- I want to throw something out here. I totally forgot about this earlier. Um, I bet you guys would have, a, yeah. uh, would have a lot to say on this, but um, the whole hippie thing, I meant yes. to say this before. Uh, me and Av were talking about when the guy gets hit on the head and killed, and you see him like start twitching. It's like really fucked up and disturbing. And, and theoretically, it's realistic. Um, at least Toby Hooper describes it as uh, the head injury uh, fucks up the guy's nerves. And I once saw a cat get run over by a car. Yeah, and, they, they, uh, they do that. The body like crazy man did that, yeah. and it's very disturbing. Yes, in, it its, is. in its realism.
1: Have you ever seen um, somebody get knocked out and have a seizure as a result? Yeah yeah right it's a very it's the same thing it's just your 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 entire nervous system just goes nuts it's 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 extremely humbling and humanizing to see that by the way and and to To see somebody get get right yeah it's
2: It's like very off-putting and yeah the thing about that scene that really got me is that and i think it's like maybe the most or one of the most iconic scenes in horror because there's no music you know, it's not built up in a grandiose way. It's almost banal. Like, yeah. it's almost like, oh, 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 there's a guy there. Oh, he just got... Yeah, no, the it's head. like watching oh, a crocodile
1: and, the door, out.
2: and it's like, that's how it happens in real life. I mean, even if, like, like, say, like, fights. Like, you know, in the movies, there's, like, this fight scene. There's an
0: epic orchestral yeah. score. Yeah.
2: No, man, in real life, somebody comes up to you. You exchange words. You come to blows. It's over. It's, it's a lot more, quote-unquote, boring in
0: real life. Yeah, it's and just they, the they sound of bones
1: and the cracking and yeah. somebody hitting <laughs> the ground.
2: You
0: know? Very it's, not, it's not stylized at all. Exactly. It's not Imagine it's not if Freddy were... Krueger with an eruption, of volcano erupting of blood. Yeah. Imagine there's no if you're blood. On the there's no blood. No.
1: If you imagine you're on the Serengeti and you're at the river edge, uh, seeing a crocodile eat a gazelle. Yeah. Nothing's even reacting. You know what I mean? No yeah. one cares. Yeah. It's just yeah, happening. Yeah. Totally. It's just happening. Totally. Someone's yeah. getting murdered. But I wanna, right I wanted to throw normal. this out here. There's, right? there's yeah. this
0: concept that I'm gonna have to introduce elsewhere of the Vietnam aesthetic. And there's an interview with Wes Craven. And remember, The uh, Last House on the Left. We
1: should this. do a Craven episode. Too, oh, he's the, the, he's the man he's deserves a, his he's props. A
0: fucking genius. And yes, we're going to do a Wes Craven interview uh, episode. Sorry. There's so, something about uh, the v, called the Vietnam aesthetic, which I'll, I'll talk about elsewhere. Uh, but he talks about how when he was a kid, he shot a, a rat with a bow and arrow. He was doing bow and arrow practice and a rat ran by and he shot it and he was struck and he said it never left him that he expected to hit the rat with the arrow and it was going to be dead. But he said the rat lived on for like minutes and minutes and these minutes were like so dragged out and it was like walking with the arrow sticking out of it and it was screaming and it took forever to die and he like traumatized him, probably explains his whole career. So that's what he is going for in his films. This uh, is a the brilliant realism point. Of death. But what this does it have to do with point. Vietnam? When he tells the same story, And when he's telling the same story, he says, Vietnam, they were showing footage of real life people dying. And he said, well, fuck this. Now the cat's out of the bag. Like, you guys want to do this? Like, let's do it. Like, we're going to be real about this. I'm going to show you death in all of its utter, gory, horrifying, disturbing detail because it's not a fairy tale anymore. And it's not a romance. And that's the thing. They're not romanticizing death. They're not romanticizing war and murder anymore because you're seeing it in its stark reality. And the reason why America opposed the Vietnam War so fucking hysterically is because they showed it on television. And this, this is all coming from West because they couldn't hide from and it anymore. That's why his movies, especially The Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes, are filmed the way they are. And that I think is exactly what's going on in this scene where the dude has the the fucking seizures. And the other thing I want to say about the hippies, this is also post charles manson and all of a sudden the 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 veneer of beauty and love and romance was just ripped off of the surface of the hippie movement you saw the dark teeming insides uh the bloody nasty underbelly of what the movement really had become and had mutated into so it was also
1: made in 1974 right so it was already like almost like that's the tail end of that to the post hippie basically right so
0: oh yeah it's no the hippie getting and, to the and, point and remember Sharon Tate people was pregnant back, when they killed right? her so the motifs and the archetypes are right there yeah <laughs> yeah guys yeah, I gotta yeah. I I gotta cut it off I'm sorry it's a bit That's of a rushed good, episode man. but uh, I wanted to have two hours and I got cut down to an hour and 20 minutes so look mm-hmm. I'm promising the um the audience more episodes from you guys so we're gonna have to do it and we're gonna do it in a way that uh, I'm not I'm not rushed for time here um and I remember I forgot we're also gonna do an episode on zombie movies. Yes,
1: that's a favorite of mine. So listen, uh, I will bring uh, up World War Z the book frequently during that.
0: Yeah, I want you guys Incredible. um to to bear with me next time we'll have more time. Um give us give us a parting a parting thought, uh both of you. Any any last thoughts on the movie in thirty seconds or less?
2: Um Yeah, I mean, I'll just throw in, I guess, uh, we'll get a pot shot in against uh, um, the the hippie movement, Uh, is that um, I do think that the whole cross-dressing thing uh, is a sort of uh, corruption of the idea. And it's like you said, with the individuation, uh, you could say that it's an improper individuation because instead of sort of um, making the anima integration an inward process that like makes you whole, a lot of these old tribals would like literally carve vaginas into the initiates or the serial killers. They do this a lot. You see this a lot. There's a lot of cross-dressing serial killers and Leatherface does it. And it's its a very common theme. And it's almost like they're unable to do the inner process of individuation. So yeah. They to do this crude outer behavior. And, and
0: Buffalo Bill is the same thing. All right. I got to go. Uh, Remus. Uh... Uh, I'll give I'll give a, a last. I, I
1: first of all, watch this movie. Sorry, I just punch my mic a bit. Uh, first of all, watch this movie. Uh, Second of all, when you're watching it, uh, uh, don't look away because I think the whole point is to make you see. um, uh, Because killing is a nasty business, and uh, this this reminds us of that. You know what I mean? It's uh, you are you're doing you're taking something from something that that is often in no way willing to give it, Um, and and that's that's what this this truly shows. This is a hunt. Uh, and, uh, and a brutalization of a living thing. So uh, yeah. I think that's kind of what he was going for. Um, and I think he did it s- spectacularly. It's an excellent, excellent movie. It still holds up.
0: When, when people say they want to watch this for the first time, I always say prepare yourself. Yeah, All right. It, Astro Flight you up signing bit. off. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes.